everybody. This is Hater Radio, a college football podcast dedicated to the greatness that is college football. My name is Chris McLean, and I am Sans co-host this evening morning whatever time you're listening this to um ian is uh unable to do it this week that's all right you've got me um so what we'll do real quick we'll do a rundown of what the show is we're dedicated to uh the major college football we talk about uh um, all the major storylines involving all the major teams um and we look at all the games specifically each week we'll recap the games that happened and then look ahead to the games that are going to occur in the following week and then we also look at the potential heisman candidates and uh also playoff teams the playoff ranking already came out on tuesday so i'm not going to go over that potentially i'm just going to give my list of what i think the team should be um I think the uh, CFP was Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU. So that'll be what it is. But I'll go over mine in a little bit. But as for right now, let's start with the recap, Uh, the Week 11 recap. I mean, we're only two weeks left of the regular season, which is crazy. It's gone gone by so quick. Um, It's just really uh, this weekend and then next week, and then we'll move on to conference championships and then uh, bowl games in the CFP. So it's been a lot of fun, uh, a lot of interesting games. Um, This year, more so than any, this has been the, uh, you know, more compelling storylines with different teams in the last several years, because it really, it's only really been Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State, and like per se another team almost every year for the last seven or eight years. So it's, it's nice and Alabama, and it's nice to see, you know, like Tennessee in there. Nice to see TCU up there. Um, you know, right now, USC is the potential Pac 12 team that's up there. So it's, it's been nice. It's been different. Um, this would be a great year to have, uh, a 12 team playoff because then we'd be able to answer some of these storylines because uh, our hypotheticals, because, uh, potentially one of these teams is going to get left out and they're going to be pissed and they're going to have a right to be pissed because they probably deserve to be there. But, uh, for whatever reason, um, we're stuck with this 14 playoff for the next, I believe, they're working to get it by 2024 um, with a potential of 2023. But as of right now, it looks like 2024 is the first year it'll happen. It just, it really, the the things I'm hearing right now is that the, the Rose Bowl is the issue, which if that's the case, I'm just, I know some of you love bowls and I get it. I understand it. It's a tradition and whatever, but um I think where we're progressing, where like the sport is actually realizing what the potential of uh, playoff games can mean and more of them, um, it gives it gives more teams the ability to get in. It gives more teams to be have compelling games later in the year. It gives more excitement in general for the whole uh, country instead of you know, four different campuses being the only ones that really have a chance to uh, corner the market on the playoff spots. Now it gives a wide net to where, you know, anyone in the top 25 has a potential chance of getting in, which that's, 
That's huge. That makes such a difference. That makes it exciting for everyone. Um, you know, I know that a lot of those lower seeded teams in the playoff will not probably get beyond the first round, but that's why we play the games because there's always a chance for an upset. And um, I mean, that's a reason why March Madness is as great as it is, is because of amazing upsets like Virginia getting beat by a 16 seed. And then look at that, what happened to them the next year, they win the championship uh, Virginia did. So it's, you never really know with these things. Um, you know, I, I look at it, I compare it to the NFL, you know, the wild card teams have won quite a few championships and those have been not the best teams in the regular season, but yet they get hot in the postseason and then end up winning the championship. So I don't know. It's, I think it'll lead to a lot better compelling games than people actually realize. I think right now, they've seen like blowouts in the um, semifinals and they're just uh, succumbed to be like, Oh, it's, you know, these, these, these blowouts are just going to continue to happen in other games. I don't think so. I think actually the five through 12 games, the one where it's uh, on campus are going to be way more compelling. And that's the other thing. I love the fact that it's going to be on campus. Like that's, that is, that has been probably my dream for like 11, 12 years when it, the possibility of a playoff was coming about. Um, I was like, man, on-campus playoff games, I mean, at the Swamp, that would be ridiculous. It would probably be the most amazing environment you'll ever see for um, football, like ever. Like, I don't think it would ever be matched. Um, but, uh, yeah, so the playoff – will expand um, sooner than later. Obviously, they are in the works with that. So hopefully it gets done so that we don't have to worry about uh, one, you know, another year where there'll be might might be a team or two that that deserve to get in, but might get slighted because of the fact that uh, there's, um, you know, only four slots for them. Okay, so week 11, let's talk about it. Um, the first game I have listed is the Missouri Tennessee game. It was close into the third quarter. It was 24, 28 at one point and Missouri was able to move the ball and it looked like they could probably keep up. And then it just Tennessee turned it on. And, you know, when you outscore someone, uh, 38 to seven and a half, I mean, that's, that's a, a full game score, and you did that in a half, I mean, that's just ridiculous. And, you know, Tennessee is really good offensively. And it was kind of surprising because um, Missouri is a really good defense, probably I'd say top three in the SEC this year. Um, and overall, they're probably one of the better ones. I'm not looking at the defensive stats right now, but I'm I'm, I'm guessing so. Um, and they really put it on them. I think it was smart by Tennessee to do so. I know people got pissed about it, but at this point, they're trying to get in. And if they can do any little thing to set themselves apart, considering they lost to Georgia, um, they're going to have to do it. You know, Georgia only beat Missouri by like, I think, a score or maybe 10 points. It wasn't very much. It was very close game all the way through. I think it was only like six points maybe. Um, but um, so Tennessee winning by 42 points 
looks way better, which honestly, this is what they have to do. They have to set themselves apart. I know it looks terrible for Missouri, and it, but at the same point, same time, you know, Steve Spurrier always said, you know, it, it's up to you to stop me. Like I, I don't have to stop. Like I, I'm going to keep going. It's really up to your players and to your staff to to figure out a way to stop me. And I don't, uh, I don't disagree with that. Like it's, it's football. Like what are we supposed to do? Just kneel down no like keep playing especially if your backups are scoring that's that's your fault if you're not able to stop their backups i mean the backups just want to get playing time and i don't blame hypo for uh going in there and putting up more points he's he's got to set themselves out and uh give them a chance to get in the playoff okay moving on uh lsu arkansas a very uh sloggy you know low scoring um just kind of a I don't know Jaden Daniels only had 86 yards um you know KJ Jefferson was hurt Malik Hornsby came in and was unsuccessful Cade Fortin looked a little bit better who had a touchdown late that made it uh, a three-point game and it was back and forth in the fourth quarter there Arkansas had a shot. They just couldn't put another drive together to uh, tie it. And LSU survives. And then, then you know, not only surviving, but that they win the SEC West because later in the day, Ole Miss loses. So I don't think anyone would have thought when we started the year that LSU was going to win the West. I mean, it was definitely Alabama and Texas A&M. And um, maybe Arkansas were the three teams in the West that they thought so highly of. And then, you know, fast forward to 11 weeks later and LSU is the winner and it's a surprise. But I, I think that I think the thing to always remember with LSU is they always have talent, regardless of how bad um, the coaching has been during the last several years with like Les Miles and Ed Ogeron. um, They've always had talent. So you know, Brian Kelly, he's not the best coach, but he's definitely one of the better coaches in the country. And, you know, he's a competent coach and he's good offensively. And um, he definitely now taking the reins of a, of a team that has as much talent as it does as in LSU. I mean, he has a much better chance now than he ever did at Notre Dame. And it's just, you know, with what I was saying, LSU – has always had that talent. So they will always have a chance to be good regardless of who's there at coach. And like I said, the the bumbling fools that were there earlier now are no longer there. Cause I, I know Brian Kelly had like the, the family thing and the, you know, the dancing with the recruits thing. And it looked all kind of goofy, but besides that, he's a really competent coach and he, um, we'll have LSU ready to go. I'm intrigued about the matchup with Georgia because Georgia won as well when they beat Mississippi State. Um, I'm intrigued to see what happens in that game. I, As of right now, I'm leaning Georgia. I don't think LSU has enough to beat them because their offense isn't as good. I mean, evident with this game, I mean, they only had a total of 284 yards that's not going to win you games. I mean, they did rush it for 198, but I don't know. Against Georgia, you're going to have to be able to throw the ball, and because that's that's Georgia's weakness is the secondary. And 
you know, you got to be able to take advantage of that. And if you can't, you know, I mean, even Tennessee wasn't able to. So I, as of right now, I think the only team that can take advantage of Georgia's weaknesses is probably Ohio State because I think they've got the best combination of defense and offense out of any team in the country. Like, I think they'll be able to slow Georgia's offense, and I think they'll be able to move the ball on them. That's the only team I think that can beat Georgia as of right now. Maybe TCU as well. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see if Georgia, TCU, Ohio State, and Michigan – maybe USC get in actually out of all three of those teams, I'd like to see Georgia play any one of those three. And I'd like to see them potentially. I mean, I hope they lose anyways in the semifinals, but if they do move on any one of those teams, I would like to see in the championship as well, but we'll see. Cause um, USC has to keep winning out. And then um, uh, Ohio state has to win out. And then, TCU. So they all have to keep winning out because if they, if one of them loses, because if TCU goes one loss, they're probably not going to get in, which is a shame because I think the Big 12 is the toughest conference this year, top to bottom. And, uh, but Tennessee is right there and they're going to easily win their last two games because they play South Carolina and Vanderbilt and they should be, they should be in if anyone slips up. So, I would like to see a rematch with Georgia on a neutral field. I think Tennessee would probably win. Um, Georgia fans like to think contrary, but uh, we'll see. All right, moving on. Um, SMU-USF. I just wanted to look at this game because it was the first game after uh, Jeff Scott got fired. Um, Not anything really here. SMU has got a good offense, and they put up 41, and they win 41-23. Katravis... Marsh got hurt, hurt his neck, had to have surgery. So that didn't look good. I hope hope the young man uh, a speedy recovery. Um, Byron Brown came in, looked all right, but he was only in for a little bit. Brian Batty, I mean, God, the kid is just freaking amazing. If you if you listen to this podcast and you don't like if you're just listening to me for whatever team, um, please look up Brian Batty. The kid is just a workhorse. He's probably the best returner in the country. Um, And he's a hell of a running back as well. He's just a, he's going to make an NFL roster. I guarantee it. There's no way, like, he's just too good. Like you cannot keep him out of um, a lineup. He's gonna, he's gonna make a a team somehow. Um, But in parts, you know, the game was like 17, 17 and a half. So it was, a good performance in the first half, but just kind of, I don't know, SMU is just way better. But I, I'm intrigued to see uh, these last two games for USF, uh, what happens. Hopefully get at least one. You know, I, I'm definitely seeing uh, that uh, this UCF game could be interesting because if, if USF beats UCF with only one win, oh, man. I'll never let those, those losers down for for uh, having lost to USF with one win. Okay, moving on. Alabama-Ole Miss, probably the game of the day besides the Washington-Oregon game. Um, I'd say a tie between those two. Um, it was back and forth. Ole Miss had a lead in the first half, and it looked like they were cruising. 
Um, Bryce Young didn't look great, but he also didn't look terrible either. He had 209 passing yards and three TDs. Um, Jameer Gibbs didn't play much. I'm guessing he was hurt. I didn't really hear. Uh, Ole Miss, uh, Jackson Dart played all right. Um, Quinshawn Jenkins, I mean, the kid's unreal, man. The kid's just amazing. Zach Evans didn't play much, but Judkins seems to be the, the go-to guy for them now. Um, he had two TDs and uh, 135 yards on the ground. Um, you know, they were moving the ball quite well, uh, just couldn't finish it off, couldn't capitalize at the end, and Alabama got those two late field goals. And, uh, yeah, that was it. That's all she wrote. And it was relatively close game. You know, it just was – I don't know. I feel bad for uh, Lane Kiffin because he's like knocking on the door about beating Alabama. He just can't do it yet. But um, the longer he stays at Ole Miss, the the higher likelihood that he'll get a win against them, at least one or two. I mean, he he's close. He's not that far off from beating them. Okay, moving on. Louisville Clemson. Um, the one thing I want to highlight about this game because uh, Clemson wins thirty one sixteen. That run by uh, Shipley, holy shit! If you get a chance, check it out. I know it. I don't. I didn't see it make the rounds as much as like other amazing runs, but he freaking hurdles a guy, comes down, and then there's two guys like trying to sandwich him, and he like runs through both of them and then goes into the end zone. I've never seen anything like it. It was like such a like power move it was man it was freaking awesome uh definitely look that up if you get a chance that was has to be up there for play of the year that was sick um but uh in the game ugulele had 185 yards passing a td didn't look great again but you know competent enough to get the win um on the ground uh shipley and phil maffa combined for over over 200 yards between the two of them. And then, um, yeah, just a solid game by Clemson. Um, they kept Cunningham in check for the most part. Um, they picked him off once. Oh, no, not even Cunningham. I guess they had Brock Doman. I didn't even realize it. I looked at the highlights. I don't even remember seeing a backup in there. Well, my surprise. Um, yeah, you know, that's... I, I'm thinking that Malik Cunningham got hurt then because um, I thought he was in there the whole game. I, I I don't know the situation on that, and I apologize for not knowing that. I thought that I saw in the highlights that he was in the whole game, but I'm 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 guessing I'm wrong. Okay. Um, yeah. It, wow. And Clemson had three fumbles lost. That's surprising. So they were. They were only minus one on the turnover margin, but still three fumbles losses. That's quite a bit. But they had 26 first downs to their 15. Um, yeah. Yeah, Clemson keeps winning. You know, they uh, they have South Carolina last, and then they've got um, – oh, Miami. Yeah, that's right. Okay, Miami, South Carolina, and then the big one, the ACC championship game, they'll play North Carolina. So both of those teams, if North Carolina and Clemson both get there with one loss, 
into the ACC championship game. It's not out of the realm of possibility that either one of those potentially could get in. It's definitely has the chance because of if stuff happens in front of them, which, you know, stranger things have happened. 2007 has shown us how strange things can happen. Um, I think it's highly unlikely at this point. I think it's a very low chance, but there's still a chance. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah. Um, okay. Moving on. South Carolina, Florida, uh, 38 to six. The Gators win. Just a dominant performance. Defense was that continued their shutout streak. They went uh, the second half of the Texas A&M game without allowing a touchdown or a score. And they didn't allow a single score in the whole game. The only score that uh, happened was a special teams play. So kudos to the defense there. Um, they only allowed 237 yards, 44 yards rushing. Um Kept them to three of 11 on third down, considering how putrid they've been on third down the last, uh, the, the whole season. Um, forced three fumbles in a period of like seven minutes in the third quarter. Only got seven points out of that, but I think the damage was done enough to where it demoralized that uh, Gamecock offense. And, uh, you know, in the first half, Man, they were running all over South Carolina. They, South Carolina could not stop them. Uh, ETN had a huge run. Um, Montrell Johnson went off as well. Uh, it was a chance that all three, uh, those two guys and Anthony Richardson, were going to go over 100 uh, yards rushing. But um, uh, Anthony got sacked near the end of the game, and so he went under 100. So it was just, just under because it was – Johnson with 161, ETN with 100, and AR with 96. So it was like very close. And it would have been the first time since uh, 85 that Florida would have done something like that. And uh, it's a shame they didn't get it. I I, I would have thought Billy would have – I know that they, some of the teams have like stat guys that tell people about certain stats like, oh, just do this to get a stat. Like they could have just done like a QB run real quick to get him that four yards. But – I know it's not the end of the world. It doesn't really matter, but it's, it would have been cool. Um, AR looked all right. He missed he missed a handful of them that could have been a lot better. And then there was like, I think like three or four that were just dropped by receivers, which that's the other thing. It's like people are like trying to blame AR as much as they can for um, uh, incompletions, but... I've seen quite a few drop balls, which is like, you know, as much as it's been on AR, there's goes both ways. And, you know, Shorter wasn't in this game. Um, Frazier's was hurt as well from the AM game. Um, and then I believe uh, Xavier Henderson is going to be out coming into the Vandy game. So, you know, they were relying on a lot of the freshmen, Marcus Burke, um, Caleb Douglas, um, and Ricky, you know, Ricky Persall, he only had one catch, but, you know, he Ricky played most of the game. Um, they weren't really passing the ball that much. They didn't really have to. They knew that if they could run the ball against South Carolina, that, that they were going to win uh, pretty handedly. And they did. They ran it for 374 yards on the ground, and that's pretty damn good. 515 total. Um, yeah, it was a dominant game. They had more penalties than they usually have. They had seven, which kind of sucked. 
little sloppy on some aspects considering that they were at home but uh they were nine for 15 on third down and they got a fourth down conversion as well so essentially almost um uh, uh two-thirds of their conversions there so that's that's pretty damn good and they had the ball for 13 more minutes in south carolina so they definitely dominated there i I'm liking where this Florida team is going. I think a lot of us Florida fans are pretty excited to see what's going on. You know, there was that hard week with losing to Georgia, Kermani McLean, uh, McLean uh, not uh, committing to Florida, committing to Miami. And then Brenton Cox got kicked off the team. And then like uh, Kamari Wilkinson, he uh, transferred out. Um, or went into the transfer portal and it was like all this bad news all in like a week's time. And it was just like, you know, the huge loss of Georgia. And it was just like, man, nothing is, nothing good is happening. And then it was like Florida had a slow start against Texas A&M. And then all of a sudden they just turned it around in that game. They win that game big. And then uh, Rashada commits flips from Miami and it's just like all this momentum is like going their way. And there's been like other transfers as well. Um, Trent Whittemore transferred out. Elksness, the tight end, transferred out uh, or in the transfer portal. And, you know, these guys, a lot of guys that have left are ones that didn't see any movement about playing time. So they wanted to go elsewhere. And I don't blame them. It is what it is. When you're not going to be able to play, you might as well leave. I mean, I would, you know, like if you're not seeing it this year, you potentially realize, you know, next year probably won't happen either. So it's like at least you can go somewhere else and get on a team and actually play. Um, and I hope the best for them. I hope they do well wherever they go. Um, but uh, no, the potential of this team is great. The recruiting is is definitely, definitely way better than Dan Mullins. Like I know the numbers don't look as good as of right now, like as like astronomically different. But um, I think the feel of this class is better because the ones with Dan Mullen, they um, they were kind of fool's gold because certain ones um, that were being uh, signed uh, were never going to play. There were ones that they were taking chances on that they'd have to like go through a bunch of hoops just to get in. And like, I'd say, I'd say at least a quarter of every class that he did was never even going to come play, was never even going to step foot in Gainesville. And yet Dan Mullen signed him to make the class look great. And it made it look amazing, but it kind of hurt uh, the program because you know, those guys didn't end up coming to play in Florida. And so now, you know, the deficiencies there, but Billy's such a great coach that he was able to uh, make the most out of that first class that he had. And uh, now he's really, really come after this class. And, you know, I'm excited for their future. You know, I love AR. He's probably my favorite player on the team. Um, I just, I enjoy watching him play. I enjoy watching his progression, um, and I I think he he seems like a really great person. Which that's that's another reason why you should be rooting for him because he seems like a good person. Like 
I love when people are like genuine and like real. And that seems what Anthony is. And, you know, it's just a real joy to uh, have him on the Florida Gators. So moving on, Georgia, Mississippi State. Georgia wins 45-19. It was like, I believe, 38-19 to at one point in the third. And it was like 12-17 to uh, going into halftime. So Mississippi State was there. Um, they got a punt return for a touchdown and then a later touchdown in the third quarter. But Georgia was the better team, and they were probably always going to win. Setson Bennett throws two picks. Again, I don't think he's that great. They keep seem to be uh, forcing the issue with him passing. And, you know, they're playing teams that are not good enough to beat them. So it's not biting them yet. I don't think that they'll get into a game with a better team and that they'll pass it too much. I think they're just doing it right now to like, I don't know. It seems like they're just putting it on film. Like, Oh, we pass it a lot. We pass it a lot. But then what they'll do against a better team is what they're going to end up doing is just running the ball. Cause they have three competent um, or two competent running backs in McIntosh, Milton and uh, or three of them and Dejon Edwards. So, you know, I don't think they're going to, um, In a big game, I don't think they're going to pass the ball as much. They're definitely going to run the ball and they can do that. But, you know, but if they become one dimensional in a game like that and they have to rely on Stetson, I think he's going to end up throwing uh, a pick or two and that'll be the difference in the game. That's just my opinion. Um, But uh, Mississippi State didn't run the ball at all, only had like like 60 yards rushing and, uh, you know, if you're going to go up against Georgia, you're going to have to run the ball a little bit better than that. So um, next game, get definitely up there for game uh, game of the day. I would think this probably was because it just it was so, how close it was. Um, Washington wins 37-34, just a hell of a game. Michael Penix Jr., I don't know. People on the West Coast get to watch him play. Um, people in the Big Ten country – you know, uh, know who he is and know how good he is. Um, but I don't think the rest of the country knows how good this kid is, but he is, he is quite amazing. And he's got a very strong arm considering, um, he's a lefty. You don't see many like very strong arm lefties, but can throw bullets out there and, uh, threw for over 408 yards and, uh, two TDs, just a great performance by him. Um, you know, and Bo Nix didn't look bad. 279 for two TDs and um 55 on the ground and a TD on the ground as well. They had the chance, they were right there. I think that fourth down play was really it. I told my fiance right when that happened, I was like, you know, they didn't convert, and I was like, Oh, that game's over. And I I kind of knew when they were going for it, I'm like, this is stupid. They were on like their 30, you know, like there was no reason to do that. They should have just they should have just punted the ball away, give themselves a chance on defense. But maybe they felt that Washington was moving the ball so well that they couldn't stop them, which they weren't too far off because they were they put up 522 yards. Um, uh, but um, and you know Oregon went for it on fourth four times and converted three of them. So they felt like they were having success there and they were able to convert. It was only a fourth and one. It was a short one, but Bo Nix went out 
for some reason. I can't remember if his helmet came off or he like uh, was hurt or whatever. But when they lined up for the fourth down, he was ready to go. That's what the announcers were saying. So I don't know if there was confusion there or what happened. But regardless, Oregon uh, didn't convert there. Washington had a short field, didn't really move the ball, but hit the field goal and then uh, stopped uh, Oregon from uh, uh, getting any points to tie it. So Washington wins. Now Washington's 8-2. and two. Oregon's 8-2. and two. Um, I mean – Oregon only has one conference loss, so they're still up there for the uh, chance to get into the Pac-12 championship. But now with a loss to Washington, if Oregon loses another game, then Washington would move ahead of them. And then Washington has a chance um, to get in the mix for that. I don't know if they will because – they have a loss to Utah. Wait. They didn't even play Utah. So that was that was from last year. Sorry, I was looking at the last year's schedule. Um they lost to Arizona State and they lost to uh who else did they lose to? And UCLA. So they they don't have the tiebreaker with UCLA. Um, but they would Potentially, I don't know what their tiebreaker with USC would be. I think it'd have to be like conference record, which right now they have two losses. So USC only has one. So they would, USC would jump over them there. Either way, Washington is in the mix now and Oregon slightly dimmed because of that loss, but they only have one conference loss. So they still have a, a really good chance of potentially getting in because. USC and UCLA play each other, and U- UCLA already has um, two conference losses. So, um, you know, right there, UCLA would be knocked out, and it would be USC, Utah, Oregon, and Washington would be those four teams for the uh, two spots. And um, Utah only has one conference loss, so I think... I think Utah probably has the best chance of getting in besides USC. So I think it'll be USC, Utah, just, just, just my, uh, insight. Okay. Moving on TCU, Texas, this game ended up 17, 10, but it was actually not as close. Um, TCU did not have that great of a day offensively, but Keandre Miller is killing it on the ground. Like I keep talking about every every week, and Max Duggan had a competent game. He didn't look great, but he didn't make mistakes. Which you know, except for that one fumble, and that was really the difference because uh, Texas recovered a fumble like at midfield with like I think like five minutes left, and that made it uh, a one score game. If they don't get that fumble there, it was a 17, three game and, you know, looked a lot worse for Texas, but kudos for Texas for staying in there. Just Texas did not look good offensively and you'll have to give the uh, credit to TCU there. So TCU, um, I, I don't know, man, 10 and 0, they have three games left to get in the playoff. They just got to win out, and they've got Baylor. They've got Iowa State. 
and then the the Big 12 championship. So they already clinched their spot in the Big 12 championship. So um, this Baylor game will probably probably it'll be their second biggest test beside the Big 12 championship. So very interesting to see what happens on uh, on Saturday uh, between TCU and Baylor. Okay, moving on. UNC Wake Forest. Now, if you do not know who Drake May is, you have to look him up. We've been starting to talk about him more and more because of how well he performs in these games. He threw for 448 yards here, three TDs. That is just stellar. No turnovers, just a monster of a game. Um, If you don't know who this kid is, you really got to know. And he had 71 yards on the ground and a rushing touchdown. So he had four TDs and over 500 yards of total offense. That is amazing. This kid is dynamite. He is definitely, definitely has to be in New York this year. They're like, I think they're by next week because they're playing. They're playing Georgia Tech this week. They should destroy Georgia Tech, but they have a strong game against NC State, and then they play Clemson in the ACC championship game. He should definitely get a look by then um, for sure. For um, I mean, not only should he go to New York, but he potentially should even be one, one of the guys up there to win it, not just in New York, but actually have a, a real legitimate shot of winning it. He's His stats are unreal. If you don't know who this kid is, you got to look him up. He's an amazing quarterback, um, really just lighting it up. Uh, it's been a great year for him, and uh, UNC is only one loss. Outside chance at the playoff, you never know what could happen. Um, especially that now that they have a big matchup against Clemson coming up, um, just a killer performance. It was a great game, you know, back and forth, Sam Hartman, you know, I love Sam. He's a, an amazing quarterback, but just kind of struggled with another pick. You know, he had that, uh, game against Louisville, a terrible game. And, you know, it was really just that one pick, but it was quite a difference in the game. And, uh, you know, North Carolina wins, uh, 36-34. So UNC gets the win, and that was the important thing because they barely won. They kicked that field goal late to really win there. And um, we'll see what happens in the rest of the year. And I'm telling you, look out for Drake May. That kid is dynamite. Okay, last game, FSU-Syracuse. I'm not going to talk too much about this one. This was a blowout. I didn't get a full package from it. The FSU wins 38-3. to um, Jordan Travis didn't throw for a lot of yards, but he was very efficient. Uh, only two incompletions. Um, Trey Benson for them had 163 on the ground. Um, but it was really, I don't know what happened to Garrett Schrader in this game, but he only had six completions and they just looked bad. They did not look good. And, um, you know, had only had 160 yards uh, total. I one conversion on third down. That's pathetic. Um, it only had one turnover. I don't know what it was. Was it with FSU's defense? I know FSU's defense is good, but I still think Syracuse was able to move the ball, but they weren't able to stop. FSU at all. And I think that's really the difference there is when you're not able to make stops, your defense gets tired no matter how good they are. And I think that was the other thing. Syracuse has been good at getting stops and getting turnovers and they just weren't able to do it. They they did get a fumble recovery, but that was it. So, um, but setting up 
for the game with Florida in two weeks or not even two weeks is a week from tomorrow. Cause today I'm doing the show on Thursday. Uh, I'm getting a lot of FSU fans chirping left and right, which, you know, they've been gone for five years on Twitter, which has been kind of, kind of fun. Now seeing them uh, everywhere on Twitter is kind of funny, but uh, you know what? They could still end up going seven and six. So I don't know why they think they're like doing something when they're at seven and three, they're not that far off from, you know, they, they could have lost the Louisville game and they could have lost the LSU game. So that potentially right now they could be five and five. So I don't know why they think they're riding high as much as they are. But uh, so moving on to the Heisman standings and the CFP picks, we're going to move that right now. Heisman right now, I'm going to say CJ Stroud, definitely, definitely the favorite right there. Um, Drake May, I'm going to say two. I'll say Hendon Hooker. No, I'll say Caleb Williams and then Hendon Hooker. And then anyone else? I guess Blake Corum. I don't know. Maybe. I'm just not the fondest of Michigan players. I don't know what it is. I just they're soft. Didn't really like the the DN last year. Somehow he got second, just all because of the Michigan media, which was ridiculous. But um, no, I I'm telling you, man, Drake May, he's just he's going to be unreal. You know, he's this is his. I think he's a redshirt freshman, so he's got like at least another year. You know, it, if he doesn't win it this year, he'll if he stays healthy next year, he should win it next year. Okay, playoff teams. As of right now, I've got Ohio State one, Georgia two, TCU three, and USC four. That's what I think will end up being the end result. And then the last two out, I've got Tennessee and Michigan. Um, like I said, what it really is is Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU as of right now. Okay, so we're going to do these really quick. Um Week 12. So week 12, I got SMU, Tulane. I'm going to say SMU loses, but they're going to score a lot of points. I'm going to say SMU scores 31 and Tulane scores 34. Uh, USF, Tulsa. I think this is where USF gets a win. I really do. I think Tulsa is not very good, and I think – USF can finally capitalize on the fact that they're playing one of the weaker opponents in the league. Um, I think USF wins like uh, 34 to like 28. And I'm not trying to be a homer here. I'm just trying to be a realist on this because it's like the season's lost and it's not like it does matter or not. I just think, I think they can do it. You know, um, Brown is obviously a true freshman. So, We'll see what he's got, um, but uh, I think I think they can win. I don't know what it is. It just and it would be great because then if they get this win, then potentially they have momentum going into the UCF game, which that's what I really want. I want to see them beat UCF just because that would be hilarious. The last USF UCF game potentially for a long time, and USF wins when UCF is clearly the better team. Oh, that would be amazing. Okay, finally a big uh, game for Michigan. You know, takes the last two games of the years to have or to to have a big game for them. So 
going up against Illinois. Illinois, one of the better defenses in the country. Um, as far as their offense, though, it's more of a run-orientated offense uh, that uh, Brent Bielema is known for. Um, it's going to be a boring game. I think Illinois is going to stay with them, but I think Michigan's going to pull away probably in like the late third quarter, early fourth quarter. So I'm going to say Michigan wins like – I'm going to say they win like 30 to – I'd say 20. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, TCU Baylor. Um, Baylor's been playing better as of late. Um, So it's kind of a dangerous game for TCU. Probably more dangerous than that uh, Iowa State game will be at the end of the year. Um, I don't know. I mean, because, yeah, because Baylor's won three in a row. After getting smoked by Kansas State. Oh, no, sorry. I'm looking at the wrong notes. Kansas State beat them last week, so they're coming off a huge loss. Maybe I'm going to change that. Okay, scrap what I'm saying because they had three wins in a row and then they lost to Kansas State. I'm thinking that Kansas State probably gets this win. Kansas State gets it. I'm thinking TCU probably gets this win. It was the purple, you know, both of them are purple. You know, uh, TCU gets this win um, because Baylor's probably down. I think Baylor is Baylor is six and four. It's not terrible. Um, they have an outside shot at the the getting into the Big Twelve championship game, but they lost to Kansas State, so it kind of. Uh, kind of be hard for them to get in because Kansas State just has to win out and they'll get in. Um, I like TCU in this game. I've liked TCU all year. I think their offense is very good. They have a ton of weapons and their defense is solid enough to get them the win. So I'm going to say TCU wins like 34 to like 22. Uh, Louisiana FSU. The reason I'm putting this one on here, it's just, I think FSU fans think they're going to easily roll over Louisiana. And, um, I just don't think that's the case. I think this game might be a lot closer than they realize. And, um, you know, Louisiana is at five and five, so they're not the best record, but they haven't looked like completely terrible. Um, they beat Marshall and Marshall beat Notre Dame. Um, I don't know. I'm intrigued. I like, I'm going to say FSU wins, but I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be like a, I don't know. I'll probably say like a 28 to like 23 games, something like that. That's what I think it's going to be. Uh, Florida Vanderbilt, it should be a blowout. Um, Vanderbilt did get the win against Kentucky. Um, they played tough. They, they looked really strong. Um, I still think Florida's just on a roll right now. I think Florida wins like 35 to like 17. I think Florida's defense is really the key in this game because their defense seems to be 
really doing what their job is. And that's the difference in these last two games is that the defense has really stepped up and really been performing well. Um, stopping teams on third downs, forcing turnovers. I mean, I think they've forced like six turnovers the last two games, at least five. And, you know, that's that's a huge difference when your turnover margin is uh, plus four in the last two games. And it's been great all year. They've been phenomenal at uh, turning the ball, causing turnovers. And then the offense on the flip side has been – not uh not committing turnovers so um like i said i think florida wins this one okay uh kansas state west virginia i think kansas state wins this one it's going to be close i like that it's at home for west virginia to keep it close so i'm going to say kansas state wins like 32 to like 29 georgia kentucky this game would have been much better if it was like a month ago, or maybe even a month and a half ago, it would have been a lot more hype. There's no hype on this. I don't think anyone's even talking about this game. I'm going to say Georgia wins pretty handedly. Um, Will Levis is just garbage, man. I don't know what people see in this guy. I don't know why he gets the hype that he does, but God knows why. I mean, he's got this, like the, the tools, but he doesn't know how to use the tools. That's that's like the best way to describe it. It's like someone with like the best toolkit ever on set, but knows knows no idea how to use them properly. Um, can't look for, past his first read. Um, just uh, commits a lot of turnovers. Just not a good quarterback. I don't. He's gonna get someone fired in the draft coming up, and you know, hey, that's your fault for taking him because you're an idiot. Okay, uh, I'm going to say Georgia wins probably like 42 to, uh, I'm going to say 14. Ohio State, Maryland. Maryland's kind of fallen off lately. I'm going to say Ohio State wins like 52 to like uh, 20. Miami, Clemson. Miami rebounded after that blowout loss to Florida State. Clemson you know, kind of rebounding after that Notre Dame loss. I think Clemson's going to win this one. I think Clemson's going to win probably by like two scores or more. I'm going to say like 34 to like, uh, let's say 17. NC State, Louisville. I like Louisville in here just because NC State has some injuries to deal with that quarterback. And if Malik Cunningham stays healthy, I think they've got a ch- chance. I'm going to say Louisville 31 to like 24. Uh, Georgia Tech, UNC. I've, UNC, I think, is going to blow them out. I think it's going to be like 45 to like 10 type score. This is Georgia Tech just isn't – they're not good. Ole Miss, Arkansas, man, this game would have been great earlier in the year before Arkansas had so many losses. I still like Arkansas a lot. Uh, K.J. Jefferson is a very good quarterback, and I'm looking right now to see if he's going to play. I don't know if he is because he didn't play at all last week. Um 
Let's see. He's got a shoulder injury, so that yeah. Um Okay, sounds like he's gonna play on 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 Saturday. So that's good. So I think it's gonna be a close game if that's the case. I think Arkansas probably scores like 30. And I'm gonna say Ole Miss scores like 38. So it's going to be close, but I think Ole Miss holds off. Uh, Tennessee, South Carolina. Um, it's in Columbus or Columbia. Yeah, Columbia. Sorry. Columbia, South Carolina. It's, uh, I mean, maybe South Carolina gets cagey and does some stuff on special teams, but Tennessee never punts the ball. So how do you do stuff on special teams when they don't punt the ball? Um, and they don't they don't have to kick field goals because they usually score touchdowns. I'm going to say South Carolina scores like 20 points because they'll be able to move the ball on Tennessee's weak-ass defense. But I'm going to say Tennessee scores like 48. Okay, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Bedlam. Um, geez. Oh, this is a rough one. This is probably the worst these two teams have been coming into this game in the last, like, 15 years at least, maybe even longer. Um, I'm going to say Oklahoma wins just because it's at home for Oklahoma. And they barely lost to Baylor. Um, I'm going to say Oklahoma wins this one. I'm going to say Oklahoma wins, like – 35 to like 24. I don't know. Oklahoma State's just kind of fallen off. I don't know what's going on with them. I don't know what happened. It's just kind of been terrible. Okay. Could have been the game of the day. Could have been two teams with one loss coming in this game. But here we are because UCLA lost last week, which was terrible. I can't believe they lost to Arizona. Um, I know I didn't put in my games to talk about. I should have, but... Just, just a terrible way to lose to the way they lost to Arizona. Just they should have beat them. There's no reason why UCLA should have lost to them. Uh, but I will say Arizona's offense can move the ball, and they did that against USC as well. So it's not like it's unheard of that Arizona can score. But uh, anyways, the matchup is USC UCLA in the Rose Bowl. Um, potential Pac-12 berth on the line. Potential CFP berth on the line for USC. I like USC in this game. I love UCLA. I've been a huge fan of UCLA all year, the last two years. I would say USC wins this one. I'm going to say the the thing though that is interesting to me though is Travis Dye got hurt, and that really that really um, puts a real damper on the rest of the year for USC. I'm going to say UCLA USC still wins. I'm going to say they win 34 to 30. Very close game. And uh, I feel bad for UCLA because, God, all they had to do was beat Arizona and they would have had everything on the line for them in this game. And they just don't get that opportunity. Would have been amazing. Would have been really great to see both of those teams go out in a, a, a crazy matchup like that, which honestly, this game should have been the last game of the year, which I don't know why it's. It's the second to last game. And then they have Notre Dame last for USC, but whatever. Okay, moving on. Syracuse Wake Forest. I don't even know why I have this one on here. I guess it's probably just because of Sam Hartman. I'm just going to say Syracuse gets smoked. Wake Forest wins like 30, 38 to like 17. 
uh, UAB LSU, just an interesting game because UAB, uh, as, uh, Ian had talked about them earlier in the year as one of his dark horse teams. I'm going to say LSU wins probably like 30 to like, I'm guessing like 22, just make it interesting. And that will not look good for their playoff potential because people will be livid if they don't look good against a team like UAB. Last game, Utah, Oregon. This is definitely a uh, um, Pac-12 championship uh, like play-in type game. I like Utah. I think their their game travels. I think their run game is amazing. I think their uh, quarterback is very solid uh, to very good. Their defense is uh, is good enough. Um, I think they can make stops against Oregon, and I think they can move the ball. They can score when they have to. I think Utah probably wins like 35 to like 28. That's what I'm going with. So that is week 12. That is the end of the show. You can reach us at haterradio.com. I will have a preview article for the USC-UCLA game uh, coming up for tomorrow morning on uh, Friday. So check that out, USC and UCLA fans. I'm going to get that out there so that you guys can see it. Um, You can reach us, again, at haterradio.com. You can reach us at at hater underscore radio on Twitter and Insta. We're more on Twitter than anything. Um, YouTube is youtube.com slash hater radio to find us there. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's the show. I'm Chris McLean. I'm without Ian Gibson. Hope Ian's all right. And we'll see him next week. Um, but that's the show and we'll see you later.